Welcome to the Pirate's Eye Podcast, produced by the Seton Hall Alumni Engagement and Philanthropy Department. I'm your host, Bianca Velez, fellow pirate of the class of 2010, and each month I'll be sitting down with an alumnus to chat about their career, their life journey, and the role that Seton Hall played in getting them where they are today, or continues to play. My guest on today's episode is Victor Gomez, alumnus of the class of 2017 and currently an adjunct professor at the Stillman School of Business and manager of the Seton Hall University eSports program. With little exception, Victor has been at the forefront of the university's eSports endeavors since 2013. Take a listen to my sit down with Victor as he shares with us the journey of the eSports program at Seton Hall from its early days of taking over the living room in the university to winning the Big East Conference Rocket League Championship back-to-back in 2022 and 2023. Victor, welcome to the Pirate's Eye podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, you're on the show today because you have been part of some major history-making at Seton Hall as it relates to the university's place in collegiate esports. So I really want to dive into that. I I love the story. It's so fascinating. And it brings us to the current moment in which you're not only an alumnus of Seton Hall, but you're also a current administrator. So could you walk us through what your position is as esports manager for Seton Hall? What does that mean? Um, and then let's get started into the story of what is esports history at Seton Hall. Certainly. So, uh, as esports manager at Seton Hall, basically I oversee our three branches. I would say of esports, uh, our competitive teams, which are players who compete against other universities and colleges across the nation and worldwide uh, in video games. And then I also serve as an adjunct professor here at the Stillman School of Business, teaching introduction to esports. And I serve as an advisor for our gaming sector club on campus, which turns 10 this year. Wow. Now, this is really such a moment in in Seton Hall's history, because like you mentioned, the club turns 10, which means just 10 years ago, this entire world that you're talking about of esports, of esports management, of collegiate competitive esports didn't even exist the way that we know it now. So this was a thought and this was an idea. Walk us through what that journey has been like for you. I mean, we're talking Seton Hall has two back-to-back Big East championships in esports, and you've been part of that journey and you've been part of the journey of the club. So tell me a little bit more about kind of your role in it all and how we get to having an esports manager. Sure, so uh, this story actually begins before my time at Seton Hall. Uh, I competed in a game called World of Warcraft, a online, massive online multiplayer game uh, and which it had two very, uh, different tracks. You could play versus the environment. So it was a series of challenges, usually raids, in which guilds, groups of players come together and take on these challenges set forth by the developers. Um, so I was a 
off tank for that and a um, arena PvP or meaning player versus player in World of Warcraft for three years, I want to say. Uh, and it, when it came time to come to college, I was like, you know, um, I have to really focus up, hit the books. It's it's college time. This is the rest of our future. Uh, so I'm going to hang up my my uh, proverbial cloak. <laughs> Three weeks into the semester, I happened upon a meeting uh, where the... <laughs> I feel like I know where this is going and you pick the cloak back up pretty quickly. Oh, what happened was um, <laughs> I walked into a meeting for the executive board uh, for the gaming sector upon invitation by uh, some of its founding members. They had just formed it in the spring of 2013 and now fall 2013 is my freshman year um, was their first semester that they could officially have a budget and have events. But they were running into an issue in that a lot of them were console gamers or handheld console gamers or uh, tabletop role-playing gamers, and no one really with PC gaming experience. So they're like, hey, uh, we heard you you did all this cool stuff. Would you be interested? And I said, well, you know, extracurriculars can't hurt my <laughs> my chances at my resume and that I'm not competing, so it's, it's not going to take up so much time. And so we started uh, gathering a group of uh, students together and they all voted on what games they wanted to play the most. It turns out everyone really wanted to play this game called League of Legends. Um, League of Legends is a 5v5 game in which you compete to destroy your opposing team's base. And a bit of a history factoid, League of Legends is based on the same game World of Warcraft is based on. Okay. Warcraft, uh, which is a role-playing strategy game. Um it was a mod of it, and then that split off to Dota, Dota split off to League, and League of Legends was born. So we started off with that small group about, of about six students, um, and we wrote League of Legends on a 9 by 11 ruled piece of paper, taped it to a door, and said, this classroom's ours, unless someone has a class in here, in which case we'll move to a different classroom. <laughs> <laughs> and every Monday, uh, every week, for my entire freshman year and truly all my four years at the university, uh, we kept on growing and growing and growing a number of people who were coming out to join and play League of Legends. Um, it got to a point where today the living room is where Jersey Mike's is and uh, we have our pool tables. But back then there used to be these glass uh, walls at the leftmost side of what we'd call the living room, which was really just a lounge for commuters. Right. And there were so many students that we didn't fit in Jubilee anymore. So we took over the, that section and everyone who went to the living room daily basically said, oh, that's the land of the League of Legends players. <laughs> so unless you're playing League, don't go over there. Um, <laughs> just take it up space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was noticed by Riot Games, who are the developers of League of Legends, and they allowed us to apply to be part of something called the Riot Collegiate Summit. Um, and it was this amazing opportunity to be able to get full expenses paid, flown out to Santa Monica, California, to Riot Games headquarters, to learn more about Riot's corporate culture, what their plans were for the future, sign way too many NDAs, um, <laughs> and meet other collegiate organizers. So this was now 2015. There was maybe 500 
colleges and universities nationwide that had some semblance of a program. Okay. Half of those got invitations and about a quarter of the total number made it through the process. Okay. Nine schools from the Northeast, one from New Jersey, and that was us, nice. uh, which was a huge point of pride for us because for the past five years at that point in time, Rutgers has, had been hosting one of the biggest in-person tournaments for esports, bar none. Mm. Um, so to be able to compete at that level, to be recognized, uh, we took that as a huge honor and were able to go fly out, learn some more. Uh, nearly every attendee that I've met that I did meet uh, in those couple of days that we were over there currently either works in esports, has started some sort of esports facing organization or uh, works in collegiate esports. So they they really knew how to pick them over there. Right. Um, we came back to the university after the word and we were super excited, right? As if any other leadership opportunity, when you meet like-minded leaders, you want to learn and employ all these new and fantastic uh, lessons that they give you. Sure. So we came to the university and we went to athletics with no game plan, which was our first mistake. <laughs> but fully motivated. <laughs> but fully motivated. Right? Super inspired, ready to take over. I see Bright, it. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Right. Walk into the office and like, hey, video games means money. And athletics looked at us and was like, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> you're going to need to to narrow that scope a bit. Um, and so we did. Uh, we we refined the process and we sought to make more community than anything else. Um, as with anything in, in competitive nature, you're going to have people who are always driven to compete and people who are just there for the fun of it. Sure. Right? So by the time that we had come back, we were regularly figuring uh, filling six classrooms in Jubilee. Uh, so we just partitioned them. This classroom, if you want competitive, this classroom, if you want lessons, this classroom, if you want tutoring, this classroom, if you want to be silly, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but anywhere that I went, no matter if it was the classroom or activities, I would always speak about esports. I graduate in 2017. Um, went into consulting for a bit and just about the summer of 2018 uh, I happened to get a message from my old boss from our operations staff which is the staff that puts out tables and chairs for events um, Allison Saldolongo and she's like hey are, do you happen to be looking for a job and I said certainly I am <laughs> and so I came by uh, back to Seton Hall that summer of 2018 and it just so happens exactly that summer was the meeting of the big east conference with athletic directors and presidents of the big east nice so so you graduate seeing hall yes you leave for about a year correct give or take and your 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 baby project at Seton Hall, your like bloodline at Seton Hall is this esports program. You're out there advocating, you're taking over classrooms, you're taking over the living room, you're taking over anybody's ear that will listen about esports. You leave, you come back, and that same year is this conference that you just mentioned. Correct. So you're like really in tune right away with what's happening again with the esports right uh i'm 
what had happened was once again <laughs> the cloak that you put down you just picked it back up and it still fit you haven't even changed fit. side it's still the perfect fit got it okay following uh so one one important note that i forgot to mention is that my senior year i took an independent study with uh Dr. Karen Boroff of mm -hmm. the Stillman School of Business, mm -hmm. uh, who would then go on to serve as interim provost for the university. That's right. And it's important because when I come back, who's the interim provost, but Dr. Boroff. So at this meeting uh, for the Big East Conference, which is the athletic conference that Seton Hall is a part of, uh, the athletic directors go into a boardroom first and get to vote on whether or not they want this esports thing in their sector. Nine of the 10 universities' athletic directors said, no, they do mm. not want it. Wow. They leave. The presidents come into the same boardroom to make a vote. Overwhelmingly, the presidents say they want it. Wow. And so now, if we're not going to house it in athletics, uh, where are we going to house it? That was the big question that a lot of uh, Big E schools had to contend with. Right. Right. Because so, there's a divide between the ADs and the presidents. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what is the the next logical leap? Okay, well, this is gaming. This uses technology. Why not reach out to our information officers, right? So our chief information officers, uh, in particular, in our case, our assistant CIO, Paul Fisher. So he comes back and he's like, I like games, but this isn't really, I don't know what this is particularly. And so he goes to the provost at the time, uh, interim provost, Karen Boroff. And she goes, oh, well, I know just the person. Meanwhile, I'm at Bethany Hall, um, still in the Division of Student Services. Working with the tables and the chairs the for the events, the right. <laughs> <laughs> and who comes walking into the, to the building but Paul Fisher saying, hey, I would like to sit down and have a meeting with you about esports. Nice. And so that's that's really where esports as an institutional step forward came to pass. Um, it was motivated by the Big East Conference and the presidents of the universities of that conference. And we wanted to put forth two titles. So League of Legends and Rocket League. Uh, Rocket League is a 3v3 game. It, think of it as soccer with cars mm. and the rotations are like hockey. Um, that year, the Big East partnered with ESL, with one of the largest esports organizations in the world. Okay. Um, and we were able to broadcast our invitational because we wanted to do a, a kind of test, right? Um, at the same time, we put out a survey to the institution. Um, we got about a thousand responses back, which is about a tenth of Seton Hall's population. Mm -hmm. And we got some really interesting numbers back. Particularly, we got back that 80% of the students polled would not be interested in attending an athletic event. For esports? No, an, a traditional athletic event. Oh, a traditional athletic event. Interesting. Now, as a Division One school who specializes in basketball, that's very shocking to hear. Right. Right. That's why I thought it was the other way. Right. Right. Um, about 63 of those students, 63% of those students mentioned that they wanted to have some involvement with gaming um, in their careers. Hmm. About 70% of those students uh, said that they watched anywhere between five to 20 hours of esports or played five to 20 hours of games. 
um, during a week. Wow. So those numbers are shocking, but they also tell us, hey, we're missing out on a, on a pretty sizable portion of our student population that we right. could be engaging. Right, right, right. And so with that cleared and knowing that the Big East Conference wanted to host competition and knowing that we had a big partner in ESL at the time, all the check marks were cleared for go and we launched. Uh, so we launched with our two titles, League of Legends and Rocket League. Uh, we won our Rocket League Big East Invitational. I believe we got second for League of Legends. And then moving into 2019, uh, I made the argument to Paul Fisher and to the university that we wouldn't ask any of our competitive teams to compete without a place to practice. Mm, right? Good argument. In this, Thank you. Uh, in the same way, we we need somewhere to practice. And when you're playing video games for fun, you'll tolerate a lot more things than you ever would if you're competing, right? Sure. Yeah. So distractions and the, distractions the, the setup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I perhaps naively uh, put forth a <laughs> a small bid and I was like, well, we already have laptops. All I need is Ethernet ports. That's like $100 to put in, right? So we need like five of those and USB to Ethernet adapters and we'll be fine. For like $500, we'll be ready to, to compete. Okay. Seton Hall is not an institution that likes doing things halfway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it felt it felt it felt like that was too too smooth too easy. <laughs> like that can't be right. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, it just so happened once again. Timing is everything with opportunity. Um, that a lab in Jubilee Hall, Lab Five Twenty Four, um, was up for renovation. So every three years, we like to refresh our labs to make sure that our students are getting the most up-to-date uh, software and hardware. Absolutely, yeah. And so what better opportunity to give esports a home than when we're already putting aside funds for this lab? And that means that we don't have to burden current students or past students because there's a capital fund that's already been, it's already been decided that's happening, right? And so we made the pitch and it got approved. Uh, so alongside our partners over at Lenovo, we outfitted uh, the lab with 16 top-of-the-line machines um, and purchased some extra peripherals and everyone's favorite thing, our customized Seton Hall racing-style chairs, um, which people love because they can recline and okay. my players love because they can take naps uh, right before <laughs> practice. <laughs> Key. Key, yes. Um, so we built this, but in the process of Re remodeling an entire room, um, our computers come in first. So now we have a problem. We have the computers, but we don't have a place. Mm. So we sacrificed one of the conference rooms in the learning, teaching, learning, and technology center. Um, but obviously it's an active conference room. So every night we would have access to go in. We take everything out of its boxes, set it up, play or practice or compete then break everything back down, put it into boxes and put it away in the closet. And we did that for about three to six months. And finally, November, 2019, we opened up the lab for our esports students. It was a soft launch because we we figured, hey, it's way too late into the semester. We don't wanna launch something. Uh, let's start 
in the spring. So fast forward, we have our lab, our students get to use it to practice, and we have our very first uh, in-person invitational in OSNYC, which is a PC cafe um, with a stage. And so we went there December 2019, went undefeated for two days straight until getting to the final and faced off against our opponent, DePaul University, who had also gone undefeated for two days straight. And we're talking about 11 hours of competition. Um, they go in, they go in the best of nine series, get to, to the last match, nine seconds left, DePaul scores. Oh, no. So, unfortunately, there, nine oh, seconds. Still, yeah, there must always be a loser. Uh, and in this case, that was us. Um, but it showed more so than anything to all the administrators that were there and to the Big East Conference, um, who was also present, how seriously these students took their competition. Right. That right. Seton Hall is a true competitor in this. Correct. So we come back spring, all refreshed, all ready. Uh, planning for a March launch of our uh, gaming lab. And we're going into our spring season for League of Legends. And because we wanted to make sure that the students had some, a bit more time to get acclimated to the space, we had picked uh, March. And then March 2020 hits. Mm. The week that we're supposed to launch, March 15th, global pandemic hits. Yep, March 2020. I feel like that that is the story. Every every story that we tell these days is like, yeah, and then March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh you might think it's fine. It's esports, it's on the computer, right? So mm. it's going to be completely fine. The problem is a lot of esports lives and dies based on your internet connection. Right. Right. And right. one of the things that we spoke about at Seton Hall specifically back then was uh equity in terms of internet access. Yep. It's still a very real thing. Um, but one of our initiatives as a university was to buy and send out to our students uh, these hotspots, these wireless hotspots from uh, different companies, depending on where they lived. Yep. The problem is a hotspot isn't really a wired internet connection, which is what our players gotten used to. Uh, so not only does their season get upended, their semester get upended, but now we have one student who's out in uh, the swamplands of Florida, one who is across the country, and now we have time zones to contend with as well. Mm, so, right, right. Given all of that, um, the universities decide we're going to break the the season up. We're, we're not going to compete anymore. Okay. About two weeks in, though, all of the college administrators who are overseeing esports got the same vibe. Our, our students desperately need something to help them return to some vibe of normal. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we decided to resume competition. At this point in time, uh, for our League of Legends team, they had just won two of their matches. Then spring break happened. They lost two of their matches and then pandemic. Mm. So for our seniors in particular that season, they were very upset because they yeah. felt like the world is conspiring against us. Yeah, yeah. It's taking what they've built away from them. Right. So we came back uh, and with the blessing of Riot Games, we were able to compete once more. And that was our very first Big East Championship in League of Legends. 
uh, wow. despite the pandemic, despite being all spread apart, despite all the uh, odd hours and very long nights because of time zones, uh, our players pulled through and won the Big East tournament for League of Legends. Amazing. That's really like a, a reward given the time that given the pandemic, given everything that was happening in March 2020, that was really a reward, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And it marked a, a new beginning for our program. Uh, so with the understanding that the Big East Conference has with Riot Games, should a student win a conference or a team win a conference, they then usually get fed into the national tournament. So unofficially, they become top 32 in North America because all these conferences feed into right. the main event. Right. Unfortunately, that year, for obvious reasons, they uh, omitted that second portion, mm -hmm. uh, but it left the students who were still in the squad hungry for success. Sure, sure. So 2021 kind of became chasing that success, right? What can we do to get better? How can we motivate the lab? Um, we started doing some more remote practices and getting everyone ready for return to campus, which would happen later in 2022 um, full time. But that late 2021, early 2022 was mostly spent on, all right, we need to get ready for building up a broadcast studio so that when the students come back, they can do their interviews and record and broadcast games from the lab. Mm. So that that is what we called our building era, so to speak. Okay. 2021 and early spring 2021 okay. um so fall 2020 to spring 2021 um come summer 2021 we did something that we hadn't done before um one of our students antonio riazzi who is the captain of our rocket league squad he just graduated uh yesterday <laughs> he decided you know what i like this um team that i have but I know that we are we just graduated seniors. So I know we need a third and a second and a third person. So he reaches out to Kevin in game name Froze Minch and then uh Polly in game name Stokely Santoro. And Polly was a professional player for RBG Esports, which is a esports organization. So there are gamers who do this professionally. He had just come off of winning $10,000 in the tournament. Wow. Um, and he had put up in his Twitter that he was local to New Jersey and he was thinking about college. Hmm. So Antonio took it upon himself to reach out and say, hey, um, not sure if you'd be interested, but we do have a program here at Seton Hall. Uh, if you want, I can put you in contact with the person who leads our program. And the same thing for uh, Kevin Minch. So, and that's still you. You're leading that program correct. at that time, right? That that was still me. I was doing it. Um, now, were you still at Bethany Hall as well? Yes. So I had my position <laughs> as our uh, assistant director for scheduling and operations from August 2018 to July 2021. Um, and so you're so you're actually so you're actually an administrator for Bethany Hall and simultaneously taking the team through these development phases all the way to the point of winning the Big East competition in 2020. And that's Correct. also just like almost like a sidebar for you at Seton Hall where you're where you're where you're pursuing a career. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. And then you, we're now in the summer of 2021 where we have our captain reaching out to what is a professional player who just won $10,000. No big deal. Correct. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so uh, luckily I'm, I'm in my office uh, reading through setups and, and getting ready for our summer events and orientation. When all of a sudden I get two different pings on Discord, which is a communication platform. Uh, and they're from Kevin and from uh, Polly who are saying, hey, uh, Tone told me you have an esports program. Uh, what do y'all have to offer? And I was like, uh, I need to answer that, but I also need to do the setup. So I'm going to go do that first. <laughs> <laughs> BRB. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, find out next week. Um, <laughs> right. but, uh, luckily, they both came to tour our campus and they, they really liked the lab. They liked um, the mission that we were trying to, to really establish um, and move forward. So they both committed to the university. Nice. Um, Those are that, two major gains, I imagine. Uh, immensely so. Uh, wow. It's important to know at that time we weren't offering any scholarships at all. Um, so for a professional player to go, I like this university for what it is and this program for what it is, mm. is monumental for us. Um, you got to see something in this team. Right. And so I always say I'm one of the most blessed people on this campus because I get to work with so many amazing people, but also so many amazing students. Um but that summer, it just so happened that, keeping in mind, I used to do tables and chairs, right? That's how. <laughs> that's what we always would say. We do tables and chairs. That's it. Yeah. Um, but when you go from over 3,000 events a year to zero, mm, uh, right. and there is change, organizational change at that time, uh, we had a new AVP for student services. There was a lot of deciding on what the future would hold for the organizational structure. Um, Paul was like, hey, we should pull him over to IT um, because obviously the events aren't really happening right now. And if there's a lot of change, there might be worry um, that he won't be able to do this. So uh, again, timing and opportunities, everything that just so happened to be an opening in information in IT. And Paul was able to pull me over to the department of information technology and july 2021 i officially become the esports manager at seton hall tasked Which with all things esports sets off some record making again for seton hall right so yes. now now you're officially in this role which i feel is like such an igniter what happens next well remember about those two recruits right uh we entered something called the College Carball Summer Series. It's hosted by Psyonix, the developer of Rocket League. And we qualify. Mm. Now, for a quick expose on it, um, all universities from all over North America who have Rocket League programs are able to attempt to qualify. Only at that time, 16 teams made it. Oh, wow. There was 900 schools that wow. summer who tried 16 made it eight from the east eight from the west wow and seton hall was one of those highly competitive correct so with our brand new roster who had been playing together for three days before qualifiers <laughs> uh they managed to qualify 
they managed to make it through the summer series, get fifth place. Um, that fall, they do the same thing. But one key difference is that when they came into Big East games, they absolutely dominated. Our very first week uh, at Big East competition, I believe we scored 11 goals in wow. one game. Okay, but give me the context for that. So context-wise, Rocket League is five minutes long, um, and you play on a field 3v3 to try and score goals on your opposing side. Uh, that week we had, I believe it was Georgetown. Um, so you have five minutes and you're playing up against each other. We didn't have a single goal into our net as we scored 11 goals wow. that game one. Um, so that was monumental. It was is a, a really big way to make a statement as to this new roster, new era of Rocket League at Seton Hall. Right. Um, our League of Legends team, not to be uh, put behind, kept winning their games as well. Um, and they ultimately ended up, I believe, second place that fall. And our Big East League of uh, Rocket League team ended up first in the Big East and third in the Electronic Gaming Federation, which is a league that we joined after the fact, um, beyond being a broadcast partner who's, who broadcasts every single one of our games, they also are a league where you can compete in. Mm. And then the infamous spring 20, well, not infamous, infamous for the rest of the Big East, maybe. Uh, spring 2022 season rolls around, and week one, Rocket League is still on top. League of Legends has a win with our new mid laner, uh, Garrett Bellardi, who goes on to an interview and is asked, do you think you're going to continue to win? Uh, and this interview plays replays in my mind the entire time of 2022. He said, yeah, I, I don't see us ever losing. <laughs> and so it was set. Uh, and as it was written, our Rocket League team and our League of Legends squad went undefeated through the regular spring split of spring 2022, went undefeated through their playoff runs, and for the first time in conference history and uh, in school history, Seton Hall wins the Big East tournament uh, for League of Legends and for Rocket League. That is crazy. It's also crazy because he said it. And, you know, in the world of athletics, it's either like, yes, you're speaking it into existence, or you're like, no, you just jinxed it. So that it came true is amazing. And it speaks to the confidence that he had in, in his team. I love it. Indeed. It was something that we, at that afterward, we were all like, oh man, we're going to lose next week now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but they they did not. Uh, and importantly, during that time, we kept building, right? So Broadcast Lab was built. Our uh, We hired student managers to oversee our League of Legends team and our Rocket League team. And that basically just allowed for me to do more. Uh, so students are now in charge of managing the teams, overseeing their scheduling, their scrimmages, making sure that they're practicing, things of that nature. When I need them to fill out forms, that they're filling out forms. Uh, and so we're starting to build up an organizational structure. You see, when I was saying that you're part of so many first and and you talked about, you know, the first time in conference history and the first time in Seton Hall history to win those, those two um, biggies titles. That's what I'm talking about. It's like this journey of so much development in 
in kind of what is a short amount of years, if you really think about it. And you mentioned a lot that, you know, timing and opportunity, but I have to note that it's not just timing and opportunity. A lot of the, you know, the common thread here is that you were consistent and persistent about searching and advocating and speaking to folks about this vision of furthering esports at Seton Hall. You know, there was a vision, you, you saw the potential and the fact that you were out there vocalizing that is what is able to bring the timing and the opportunity together. You know, those that classroom, the lab might not have been thought of as a space for esports had you not been out there, you know, beating the street with with those talking points like, hey, esports, pay attention to us. Esports, pay attention to us. You might not have been thought of, you know, as a potential person to manage the program had you not been putting yourself front and center and um, that fearlessness in pursuing a vision that not everybody might see. So, you know, really kudos to you as well for being on the front lines there to catch the timing and the opportunity. Thank you very much. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know that another important thing to you is also to foster community. Um, so can you talk you know, briefly about what that looks like now at Seton Hall in terms of esports? Sure, so our esports teams mainly breed their community through their social media and being able to have fans come and watch. Um, but aside from that, our gaming sector club um, is our gaming club. It's what we do. So it has over 200 members uh, across any game you can imagine from cards to chess to Dungeons and Dragons and everything in between. Um, every video game you can think of, there's a community there. So uh, we like to host events. I think they are currently the club with the most events uh, on campus. Uh, don't quote me on that, but you can check Engage. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's how we really foster more more of our community to be engaged and have fun uh, because those that are competing at the skill set as our teams are, are much smaller subset. Now, to wrap up this conversation, I know what it's like to look and hear about this journey from your voice as you're telling it to me, but give me the inside view into your mind, looking back at the way this all started to how far it's come to your own personal professional journey. How do you feel? I would say uh, in the word proud. Um, yeah. And it really hit me more than ever yesterday, watching our graduates take the stage, right? beginning the rest of their lives. Um, they were the first ones here uh, for this program in 2019 and have seen our four times Big East champion wins, one time national champion win, countless invitational wins. Um, so yeah, just, just proud. Uh, I would like to say I would have never imagined it being this big, uh, but that wouldn't be completely truthful. Uh, <laughs> we, we always like to dream big. Um, but seeing it made reality is a completely different world. Well, congratulations, Victor, and thank you for everything that you've done for Seton Hall. You've, you've made history. Thank you very much. Victor is one of more than 100,000 alumni who demonstrate what great minds can do with a Seton Hall education. 
Remember to stay up to date with all of Seton Hall's alumni engagement opportunities and to view recordings of past virtual events that you may have missed, visit www.shu.edu slash hallhub. Share the news of this podcast with your friends. Be sure to follow us on social media at Seton Hall Alumni. And of course, if you know of a pirate we should have our eye on, do not hesitate to email us at alumni at shu.edu. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Seton Hall Pirate's Eye Podcast.